another episode of the DBR Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Evan, and here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do, whether this podcast or the other two podcasts, or preaching or anything like that, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Compass, we are at the end or toward the tail end of the Gospel of Luke. And man, this book has been great. There's so many things are going on. And boy, has it been an orderly account of what God has done through Jesus Christ to achieve the forgiveness of sins for us sinners. So this week's uh, reading is going to come from Luke chapter 19 all the way to chapter 21. And so let's pull up our Bibles this week and dive into God's Word together to see God do the work of salvation for us, to accomplish it at Calvary through the resurrection as we look forward to the ascension in the book of Acts and look forward to his coming return that he talks about in the Gospel of Luke next week. Well, this week, Luke 19 to 21, I want to make sure we have the context. Uh, First off, here's a, a quick note that Right here, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, uh, Jericho, excuse me, as he entered Jericho in verse 19.1, this is uh, the same scene as, you know, uh, Jesus, you know, from chapter 17 all, all the way back to 17. And really, it's also earlier where he's drawing near to Jericho. We had that uh, that chiasm or chiasm where Jesus is point as we need to have faith like a child. And it ends with a blind beggar, all right? We had an outcast. We had one outcast earlier in chapter 18 with the 10 lepers. We had another outcast as the blind beggar. And then we had another uh, outcast, and the, you know, we can say the greatest of all outcasts, with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And remember, the tax collectors were pretty, you know, how you feel about the IRS. Well, everything about the, you know, the tax collectors of Jesus' day were kind of true. They betrayed their people. And also they took more than what was required and to make a profit off of, off of people. So they were hated and despised because their sin was grievous and great. But here we have someone, Zacchaeus, a short man, but more importantly, he was a man who really is humble in stature, who actually lives out Luke 18 earlier with the tax collector and Pharisee. Or sorry, the Pharisee and the tax collector, where one person beat their chest to understand that they are unsaved. And so here in Luke 19, in particular verses 9 and 10, when Zacchaeus comes down and confesses and repents, Jesus says in verses 9, he said to him, Today's salvation has come into this house. Not the, the not the houses of the Pharisees, the house of this tax collector, this outcast. Since he is all, uh, since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek not and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is exactly what we talked about this last Sunday morning, uh, this Sunday morning at our baptism Sundays, where we saw God play out Luke 19 some more, where he sought and found lost sinners who repented and trusted in Christ and have found salvation. And that's what we declared in our water baptism, something that has already happened through an outward act through water baptism. And really one of the points we need to draw through Zacchaeus is saying, despite how far Zacchaeus was from God, 
you know, God saved him and forgave him. He could, his sin could not out the grace of God. And so we have to remember that, applying Sunday's message from Pastor Hayden, to remember our sin can't out the grace of God. And that's why he offers forgiveness. And that's why we, we as Christians all the more should be proclaiming the forgiveness of sins to the lost. And then even impaired with uh, Zacchaeus's um, salvation, we have the parable of the ten minas in verses 11 all the way to 27, where this is the parable of the three servants. One gets ten minas, another gets five, one gets, uh, another gets one, where... Um, you know, the, the guy who had 10 minus doubled it. The guy who had five minus doubled it. And the one who had uh, one minus, essentially a day's wage, roughly, didn't do anything with it. He, he just buried it and did, and did nothing. And so Jesus shares this parable saying how the master returned and essentially casted this servant out and rebuked him. And so like, what's the point of, of this, of, you know, Luke 19, 11 through 27? Well, essentially, the, the implications is, and this is actually taken from our Bible knowledge commentary that we sell in the bookstore, little shout out, is that the servant, you know, the guys who had 10 minus and 5 minus who multiplied it, cared about the master's work. The guy with the 1 minus didn't. It didn't do anything about it. And so when the master came, he really revealed the heart of the servant who didn't care about the work of the master and just kind of sat there and did nothing. And instead, you know, he lost everything for doing nothing. And so we have to make sure we have the gospel, this valuable thing that we have to go out and proclaim, really revealing our hearts. Do we really care about the mission of God like Christians should? Or do we not care about the mission of God like unbelievers do? And so it's a really good test to see where are we at? Are we like where Zacchaeus is at? Or are we where are we at like the Pharisees? So then right after he talks about that, we get in Luke 19, verses 28 till the well, the end of the chapter, we have the initial entry of Jesus Christ. Now we have the triumphal entry. He has we have the words of Jesus as he weeps over Jerusalem, and then we have Jesus entering the temple in, in Luke's account. And the thing I want you to pinpoint, the point you need to write down essentially is that the, the king has come. And Jesus is you know, Luke is revealing what kind of king this is. Who, What kind of king is Jesus? Well, he's a humble king, hence why he's riding on a colt. Prideful kings, conquering kings, ride on big horses. You ride on a small colt or a donkey, it's going to be kind of humiliating. He's a humble king. Not only that, he has a compassionate king who looks at Jerusalem, who rejects him, and he weeps over them. Even though destruction is coming, he has compassion on those who are lost. And we actually see that on the cross when people are literally killing him and murdering him. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And then finally, we have Jesus cleansing the temple. And this is where the thing I want you to take note. I want you to underline or make a note on verses 47 to 48. And he was teaching daily in the temple. And the chief priests and scribes and the, and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. Everyone who had power, who wanted to keep their power, seeing the power is taken away from them, wanted to kill the real power. Well, verse 48, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. I need you to write down next to this in Luke chapter 2, verses 47 to 48, Luke, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 19, <laughs> sorry, Luke right next to Luke chapter 19, right next to it, write Luke chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. After three days, as Jesus was 12 years old in the temple, 
He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him, heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus, you know, sure, he, he grew up in his humanity, but it's the same God. And here he is, you know, years later, where some of the people he was talking to want to kill him now, and other people were hanging on his words. This is the wisdom of God being displayed through Jesus Christ, who is God, to all people. So Luke is really identifying through the, the beginning and now the tail end that this is the person who is God himself in flesh. And here's a little note to say, hey, the way that he speaks, people are just captured by it because it is actual, true wisdom. All right, now we shift gears to chapter 20. And actually, I forgot to make another note. Excuse me. So 1928, actually, you need to go back to Luke 1928. There's a little mark there. I want to make sure that you know. Um, make it an art, uh, a note, not an art, a note saying this is now a scene change. Now, this is the um, part three of Luke. Luke 19. Uh, 28, uh, 27 is the end of part two of the Gospel of Luke. Luke 19, 28 is now the th- beginning of part three of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus in Jerusalem. So like Luke 19, 28, all the way into the end of the book is the final segment of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is working his way up to Jerusalem. But then the Gospel Acts, as we'll see after the Gospel of John, is now the Gospel being reached out from Jerusalem to the ends of the world. So it's a cool little note, a little geography note that you need to take care of, uh, take note of beginning in Luke 1928. So 1928 is the new scene that we are in in Luke 23. Now, there's a whole lot going on in chapter 20 of Luke, but there's a couple things I'd like for you to take note in uh, first and foremost is the first 19 verses of Luke chapter 20 is really the first time Jesus's authority is being challenged in Jerusalem. It was kind of happening in the, the beginning a little bit, the triumphal entry. Now this is where the resistance gets the strongest, the physical resistance, the spiritual resistance. You might ask, well, why? Because Jesus is about to achieve salvation for, for all people. He's going to pay for the sins of the world. And so, of course, Satan's going to throw everything at him, including the kitchen sink, to stop him. But as you're going to notice, Jesus is going to keep going forward, forward no matter how hard it gets. Jesus is going to move forward. You know, today at baptisms, the testimonies are awesome. But, man, there's some logistical stuff. Our, our, one of our computers in tech decided to stop working. And so our tech team's, you know, fiercely working to get it to work. Uh, part of the stage caught on fire. Thankfully, that was put out real quick. Thanks. Shout out to Pastor Hayden and them. Uh, I forgot to read the Bible. During the second service, a whole lot of things are not going wrong. Why? Why? Because I bet there's people that were sitting in there on Sunday who were needed to hear the gospel, who are about to be saved. As the resistance grew higher, we just kept moving forward, saying, we're going to have these testimonies proclaimed, tech or no tech. We're going to have these baptisms. You know, After we put the fire out, thankfully it's put out. We're all safe. We're all good, by the way. But more importantly... We're going to keep going regardless if Pastor Evan forgets to read the scripture. We're still going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if I forget to read the Bible to you guys as a church. So I'm sorry about that. But the point being, as Jesus is moving in now in Jerusalem towards the cross, the resistance gets stronger. But look, as a loving Savior, he did not give up. He was tempted, and he was tempted to the point of shedding his blood to save us from our sins. And so... 
you know, the Pharisees resisted him because the, you know, he's t- teaching against them. In Luke 19, I'm sorry, Luke 20, verse 19, as he's sharing about a parable about wicked tenants, they're upset. Why? Because he's, you know, Jesus is talking about them and they understood that. Well, why are they upset? Because Jesus is calling them out in their sin, in their power grabs. Now, power isn't essentially evil. No, God gives authority to governors and pastors, ultimately to himself. No, he's mad. You know, they're upset because they wanted their sin and they wanted to be king and they wanted to rule their lives the way that they sh- th- thought they should. And so the Jesus hated the Pharisees hated Jesus because they're greedy for power. Now, the second kind of uh, time of um, resistance is found in Luke chapter twenty, all the way to verse forty-five, towards the end of the uh, the rest of the chapter. But I want you to take note in verse forty-five to forty-seven. And so he's te- you know, Jesus is doing teaching, who is the Christ, and eventually he just drops the hammer. And begin and in the hearing of all people, verse 40, uh, 45 of Luke 20, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats of the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts. You know, beware of those who want to be popular, who want to stand up and teach and lead right, right from the bat without really doing anything. No. Why? Because they devour widows' houses, and for a pretense for making long prayers, they will receive a greater condemnation. You know, Jesus is really revealing the hearts of those Pharisees who claim to worship God with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. They wanted to be in the places of honor rather than exalting God in the place of honor. And for us as Christians today, you know, beware of us who just want to exalt ourselves. We want to be the one behind the pulpit. We want to be the ones leading life groups. We want to be the ones leading in this. You know, the call to ministry is genuine, but it has to be a humble servant. Not one who says, I want the place of honor to show my grandeur as a godly person versus, no, I just want to humbly sit here and exalt Christ in front of you because really he's the only solution. All right, that, that wraps up chapter 20. And I'd love to you know wrap things up this week in chapter 21, where right off the bat, I want you to take note is, you know, this is for the first 36 verses of Luke 21 is the expectations that a Christian should have when following Christ. We Right away, we have the poor widow putting her two small copper coins in the beginning of Luke chapter 21, the first four verses. And essentially, you know, Jesus, you know, raises her up to say, look at this woman. She gave all that she had, and it wasn't that much, but she gave everything. Essentially, we as Christians, we need to be generous with our whole lives. We need to give it all up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ to build up his church for God to build up his church through us being building up one another with with encouragement through the word. And so we have this woman giving her life, essentially all her, her money to God. And we need to give everything, not to say we need to give all of our money to God right now. No, we're giving our whole lives to God, our time, our talents, and our treasures. All right, well, next up into the the expectations of what a Christian should expect, Jesus covers the destruction of Jerusalem and the future tribulation to come. We've already covered that in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew, so I'll refer you back to that. But I want you to turn your attention to verses uh, verses 12 to 19, where Jesus foretells the wars and persecutions. Essentially, what Jesus says for Christ followers Expect persecution when you follow him. You know, Jesus was persecuted. He was literally killed. 
we should expect persecution. So we shouldn't, you know, expect that the culture is going to stay the same. It's going to, you know, we're not that far behind, you know, the, the, the east and west coasts here in Texas. Sin will eventually come and corrupt those who love it. And God is going to make it clear who's going to follow him, who's not. And it is now our job to be faithful to God's call to make disciples and to have God's heart to reach the lost. And so don't be surprised when we're persecuted for following Jesus. But instead, we need to proclaim all the more and trust God. That's what he's saying. They're going to, you're going to be dragged, uh, dragged before you know, councils and governments to bear witness. But don't, don't worry about what you're going to say. For I will give you, verse 15, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries would be able to withstand or contradict. And we actually see this in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen, who stood before the council and shared the gospel through the story of the whole Bible. And at the end of it, guess what happened? Some people are saved and others killed them. And so that is what we need to expect. Expect persecution and all the more proclaim Christ, trusting him and uh, to speak through us. Then finally, one of the last expectations is the end of chapter 21, verses 34 to 36. We have the destruction of the temple, the coming of the Son of Man, the lesson for the fig tree. All of this end time stuff needs to help help us do one thing, verses 34 to 36, in particular verses 36. But stay awake at all times, praying that you have strength to escape all these things are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Compass, essentially, what I want you to walk away from you know today's daily Bible reading this week as you read what's going to happen with the, you know what already happened with the destruction of the temple, what's going to happen in the tribulation to come. Even though yes, we believe the the church will be raptured, but persecution, the world's going to get harder and harder and harder to be a Christian in as we already are experiencing. What are we supposed to do? Stay awake. We cannot fall asleep looking toward uh, a retirement, looking toward a comfortable life, looking toward the, the next best thing that we can make our little kingdom here happy. Nice things are nice. Good things are good. But we need to stay awake, awake always praying that God's will be done, that lost people would be saved. So Compass, this is what we need to do. Stay awake. Follow Christ so that we can be bold to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a, a dark world. And, and as it gets increasingly darker, knowing that God is going to use us to save his lost sheep. So Compass, stay awake and don't fall asleep. And next week at the uh, DBR Spotlight, we look forward to the Passion Week of Jesus Christ as he achieves salvation for the, for, the wor- for the sins of the whole world. And we look forward to the application of that as the proclamation of forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in Luke chapter 24. So Compass, you know, see you next week as we wrap up the Gospel of Luke, but have a great time diving into the Gospel of Luke this week.